Why is it so hard to be patient during a crisis? Well, maybe the times of weakness are just a great opportunity for us to discover God's plan and grace for us. Hey there, it's Karen G. from the communications team. Welcome to our Tower Hill Weekly Podcast. We hope today's message gives you strength in this time of uncertainty. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take another big step in your faith journey. This is our final episode in our sermon series, In the Meantime. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Well, hey, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. We're so glad that you were able to join us. Happy Sunday, wherever you're watching this, however you're watching it. Very special welcome to you. If this is your first time tuning in to us, welcome. It's so great to have you here and so excited to be a part of our worship this morning. I want to encourage you anytime at all to check out what's going on in the life of our church, towerhillchurch.org. We have lots of friends and churchgoers now all across the country, even out of the country. And so it's really wonderful to see all the people God's bringing together for this online worship experience. Well, before we get going today in our last installment of the sermon series, just a reminder that next week, hopefully, if the way be clear, if everything aligns the way that we think it will, that we are going to begin indoor worship services again That's on October 25th, and you'll have to pre-register for those. You're going to hear all about that, but just want to make sure that that is on your radar. Can't wait to be back inside this wonderful sanctuary again. Well, we are now in the final installment of our In the Meantime sermon series, and I hope this series has been helpful for you. It certainly has for me as I've thought through these ideas and thinking through what is God up to during seasons like this that... We just feel stuck, where we feel like we don't know the way forward, we can't go back, we don't know what's next, there's all this uncertainty, and what if, and this is really one of the big premises of the series, is what if God's up to something in us during this time that's incredibly valuable? What if it's even necessary for our own growth and development, or the growth and development of our kids, or our church family, or our communities? What if this is critical time in the meantime, in the holding pattern. And so it's really all been around this question, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And to understand that these seasons in life happen, yes, even this crazy pandemic, that that fundamentally we need to understand that it's not that God's angry or apathetic or absent, right? He didn't go on vacation. He didn't decide to just let you figure it out. No, God is here. God is present. He is working even in this moment in our lives. I think, though, for a lot of us in Western culture, we don't like the idea of suffering or hard times, right? We do everything we can to avoid it. Every prayer that we offer has to do with not experiencing pain or suffering, when sometimes it's the suffering that helps us move forward. And we said during this time, you know, one of the things of the Christian life is I think a lot of people think, well, it's just that I need to know more about God. I need to sign up for that other Bible study. I need to learn that secret knowledge that I don't yet know. And while Bible study is incredibly important, you're not going to knowledge your way through this, th- this thing. You're not going to knowledge your way through the in the meantime time. You've got to trust your way through it. And so what we said last week was the answer isn't 
to study harder, it's to trust harder. And boy, we have a lot of hard trust to do in the meantime. Speaking of hard things and suffering, uh, are there any Jets fans in the house this morning? I'm sorry. No, but it's hard. Listen, I'm not a Jets fan, but man, I am so sorry. So sorry for how this season and the last couple of seasons have gone. I'm so sorry that, you know, Le'Veon Bell, the big... big free agent acquisition a couple years ago. You know, they just cut him, and everybody's freaking out and and feeling the pain. But I can tell you this. As a long-suffering, well, Los Angeles Raiders, Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders fan, I can tell you one thing. I get it. I get it. I feel your pain. My organization drafted Jamarcus Russell, okay? I get it. We have been perennial losers for the last 20 years. I get it. I know what you're going through. And you see, a Patriots fan couldn't tell you that. Patriots fan come up and be like, oh yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah, whatever. You've had it so good. Six Super Bowls, right? I mean, you've had it so good. You can't identify with my pain. It's funny. My suffering gives me an ability to speak into your suffering if we've suffered in the same way. In fact, my suffering gives me the empathy and the credibility to comfort others. And while it's kind of a silly sports example, I think the premise behind it rings true, and it rings true in our spiritual lives as well. That there's something about suffering alongside one another that says, you know what, I get it. I get what you're going through, and I can speak into that. I'm on the other side of that, and I can can speak to that. I can talk with you. I can understand you. And there's something incredibly powerful about that. As a pastor, I mean, I get asked all the time to walk with people through their most difficult experiences in life. And it's, it's an honor to do that, but it's also very humbling because sometimes there's nothing I can say. I try. I try to be present. I try to help, but sometimes there's just nothing you can say. Sometimes people are facing tragedies that you just can't explain away. Or can't give some kind of comforting platitude that covers it. Sometimes you're just with people in their presence and you're just weeping with them. You're just showing solidarity in the moment of pain. Like a trusted friend walking alongside them in those chapters of their lives. But you know what's fascinating is there's something about my suffering that helps me speak into someone else's suffering. Many of you know my story about, you know, I've lost actually three parents now who all died early, and that experience has helped me empathize with other people going through the same thing. It's like, when I don't have the words to say, I can say, I get it. I get it. I know what you're going through. And I'm on the other side of that. I'm here to tell you, your faith doesn't have to die in the process. Your faith can even become stronger through this suffering. There's something incredibly powerful about this. It's kind of a fellowship of suffering, right? There's a fellowship. When somebody's gone through what you've gone through, there's something powerful about the way they can speak into your life, by the way that they can support and comfort you during this time. And so today we're really talking about this. I want to say just kind of one more thing about suffering, and that's this final installment today that maybe this in the meantime time has to do with growing something in us that enables us 
to be there for others. And this is known as sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So we're going to get to that in a moment. But let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians talks about this idea of experiencing suffering and how we can comfort one another. It starts with this, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Uh, and that's interesting. That's an interesting word in the Greek. Compassion uh, literally means like your, your guts turn over. Your, your guts are like inside out. It's, it's like gut-wrenching. That our, our Father God is, feels a compassion for us that it moves him. That, that um, his guts are turned over because... He loves us so much. The God of all compassion and the God of all comfort who, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Notice the so that. So that is a purpose statement, right? So there's a purpose to the suffering. It's not needless suffering, but there is an end to it. There is a purpose to it that accomplishes God's will so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Now, when you hear a verse like this, I think, at first, I think the first reaction for a lot of people is, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? First of all, I don't really understand what you mean about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I mean, he died on a cross. What's that have to do with my suffering now? Um, comforting others, I kind of get, and being there and, and kind of having empathy for people, I understand that. But I really don't understand what is really being said here about my relationship with Jesus and what that has to do with comfort and compassion and suffering and glory. Well, I think in order to unpack that, let's take a step back, and we need to first say something theologically so that we can understand something practically. And I think we have to start with the idea of the Trinity. So the Trinity, this is a wonderful graphic done by uh, Generations Church, and I think it does a nice job of helping us understand a bit the Trinity. So the Trinity is about unity, equality, and distinction. Here's what I mean. So if God is one, and we do believe God is one, we believe in one God, three persons, triune God. We don't believe in three gods. One God in three different ways of being. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is all of these of the Trinity, all three. God is the Son, God is the Father, God is the Spirit. But they're, so, but they're also unique and distinct from one another. So the Holy Spirit is different from the Father and the Son, right? So there's a way in which they're differentiated and a way in which they are one. They are equal. There's not necessarily a hierarchy. I know we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the will of the Father, but in the way that God is three ways of being, there is an equality there. And God, if you want to think about it this way, God is a perfect fellowship unto himself. God doesn't need anyone else. God has perfect union in his own being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I know it starts blowing your mind a little bit, but this is really important. One of the ways that, that is described in early Christianity when they're talking about the Trinity is this idea that there's like a, a mutual indwelling of God. In other words, 
God the Father is present wherever God the Spirit and God the Son are. Why? Because you can't separate them. They're all one God. And so, like, for example, when I receive communion, I receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, not because they're actually the body and blood of Jesus Christ. No, it's bread and juice. But they become the body and blood of Jesus because the Holy Spirit is present. Wherever the Holy Spirit's present, so is Jesus and so is the Father. You see what I'm saying? There's a mutual indwelling. What happens to one necessarily happens to the other two, right? Because it's one God. Now, this is really important. So, if this is true about the Trinity, uh, I want to show you this next slide. Uh, It's a wonderful piece of art, an ancient piece of art by someone named Rublev, who did a painting of the Trinity Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And notice on this end, and celebrating a a Holy Communion, on this end is open. And the idea is is that we, as followers of Jesus, people who have been reborn in Jesus Christ through faith in him, we, the church, are invited into the circle, not as equals, right? We're not gods. Not as equals, but as participants, God didn't need to include us in that perfect fellowship. He chose to. And so he invites us to participate with him. And what happens then is, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we participate in the glory of God. That's why we're forgiven. That's why our sins are paid for, because we're participating in God's perfection. In other words, when God the Father looks at us, He only sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ, because of what happened on the cross. He loves us for who we are, right? So he created us to be who we are. But when it comes to sin, we are made perfect by his son. So therefore, we participate in God's glory, right? That's what's going on. But there's something else going on. So if you go uh, to the next slide, we participate in a fellowship of glory and suffering. In other words... As Jesus suffers the price of sin, we too suffer. We are the body of Christ after all. So now because we participate in the body as the body of Christ, we participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We we love talking about the resurrection part, like the glory of God part, because that's the part we like to hear. But what does it mean that when we participate in the suffering of Christ? That's a really interesting idea, isn't it? That theologically what's going on here is that somehow, some way, suffering and glory are both part of the deal. They're both part of the participation of God that we have as his church. Suffering has a purpose that leads to glory. Just as Jesus' suffering had a purpose that led to glory. In other words, suffering for a person of faith is not needless. It's not empty. Suffering, redemptive suffering, leads to God's glory. And that's something that I think, again, it's our Western culture. We don't think of suffering as an essential part of life and faith. We want to avoid it at all costs. But in other parts of the world, Christians understand that suffering is part of it. And suffering even perfects our faith. Suffering does something in us that might not happen otherwise. When we suffer, we connect with the suffering of Jesus Christ. Remember when I was talking about empathy? We then have empathy for anybody who is lost, for anybody who suffers. 
We receive from Jesus graciously so that we can graciously give to others. So when we talk about the suffering of Jesus, of course we're talking about his physical and spiritual suffering of the cross. And to understand that not only was it the torturous physical part of suffering, but it was also the spiritual part, maybe even more so. If Jesus paid for the sin of us all, it means that he bore the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. I once heard a sermon, I I think it might have been Tony Campolo, years and years ago, where he said something, where he asked the audience who the most evil person in the world was. And, you know, they're raising their hands, Hitler and all these other people. And, And he says, no, it was Jesus on the cross, and everybody started freaking out, right, because he was in a church. <laughs> Nobody liked that. But, he, but his theological reason was, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He bore the weight of Hitler and any of the other evil people in history that you can name. He had all of that upon himself. It was that weight of sin that Jesus suffered the most. Suffering somehow reveals the glory of God. So when we participate in suffering, it's an opportunity for God's glory to also be revealed. Jesus says to us, I get it. I get it. What you're going through, and this is what I love about Jesus. This is what makes Jesus so different than any other religion out there. Why? Because we have a God who says, I endured that. I endured suffering for you. You suffer, and I get it. I feel it. I have compassion. My guts turn over inside because of it. I'm moved by it. But just know that even this suffering will lead to my Father's glory. You might even say, suffering is a gateway to resurrection and life. First Peter says it this way. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that, another purpose statement, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Jesus himself said in John's gospel, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There's something powerful about suffering in the Christian faith. When we suffer, it's an opportunity for God's glory to shine. Even though it's hard, even though we wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I think God's glory shines when we get through it, right? When we identify with, wow, Jesus did so much more for me and I'm so grateful That even in my suffering, I don't have to bear what Jesus had to bear. And then it's growing in me an empathy for others. And I can speak to them where they are. Yeah, you're suffering. And brother, sister, I've suffered like that too. Let me tell you how I got through it. After all, isn't that what you want? If I wanted to know how to get out of massive debt, I wouldn't go ask somebody that never owned a credit card. I want to go ask somebody who got out of massive debt. I want to ask somebody who's been there, survived that. If I have trouble in my marriage, I don't want to go to somebody who's never been married. I want to go to somebody who's been through trouble in their marriage and come out the other side. When I'm going through suffering, I want a God who knows what that's like, even though he didn't ever need to go through it. He chose to. 
so that his glory would be revealed. When I go to God with my suffering, it's an opportunity for glory. And then what happens is, because of my suffering, I can say, I get it. And this is what I can tell somebody, I get it. Because I've been through it. And because of it, I see Christ's glory. So for other people that I can speak to about my life, about the fact that, yes, I lost three parents, and let me tell you what that's like, or so many times I've told my story about growing up uh, with an alcoholic in the house and um, how difficult that was and some of the things it did to me to this day that I know that I have baggage from. And I often hear from people who come up to me after service and like, yep, I know what that's like. Thank you so much for saying that. I feel like you get me. You understand me. You see, it, it builds an empathy in me to have gone through that suffering. And I don't think, I, now listen, it doesn't mean, it's not the same thing as saying God wants me to go through each and every suffering I go through. Again, suffering is usually a result of sins of other people. God doesn't want sin to happen. But what he can do is he can leverage suffering to reveal his glory. Every single time. And every single time in my life, he's done that. He's leveraged my suffering to reveal his glory. You see what it is when I go through something and I can sit down with someone else with an arm around him and share the struggle. It gives them hope. It's proof of life beyond the meantime. I've been through that in the meantime time. I'm on the other side and I just want you to know you're going to get through it. You know why? Because our God is good. And you'll see his glory through this eventually, I promise. People might ask, how'd you get through it? Because of Christ in me. And people need to hear that right now. People need to hear about the power of Christ in you that enables you to endure suffering for the sake of glory. This is really important. I think it's important for all Christians all over the world right now for us to allow this suffering moment build empathy. Think about those who are going through such hard times right now. People who are out of work. People who have fractured relationships. People who are addicted to substances. People who are struggling in their life. People who are having mental illness. People, I mean, the list goes on and on about the needs that people have, but what if Christians started showing their gut-wrenching compassion for people, that their insides turn because they love them so much, they want to comfort them, they want to, to allow that empathy from the Holy Spirit to spill out onto everyone else, that the flow of God's redemptive grace and glory would be a part of our everyday interactions with people who are hurting. Wouldn't that be something? In this age of outrage, what if us Christians can go counter to that and start an age of compassion, an age of comfort in the midst of suffering? Tim Keller, who uh, has since retired from his position at Redeemer in New York City, uh, he's a popular pastor around here that we've talked about a bit and many pastors have looked up to and enjoyed his work. Uh, he recently has gone through uh, a cancer uh, treatment, and he recently tweeted this that I thought was really appropriate for this topic. It says, it often takes an experience of crippling weakness for us to finally discover God's blessing. That is why so many of the most God-blessed people limp 
as they dance for joy. To continue our scripture from 2 Corinthians, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. And maybe that's the great place to land this sermon series. That this has been a hard time. There's a lot we can say about the in the meantime time, but maybe one of the biggest things is it's an opportunity for God's glory to be revealed. And so as we move forward, I want to give you this piece of encouragement from Philippians 1.6. It says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's working in your life right now. And who knows what he's going to do as a result of this time in your life. Yes, you can have faith. Yes, you can grow. Yes, you can be even more than you thought you could be. That even your suffering can reveal God's glory in the meantime. Amen.